From the featureless flats of the Vias Marineris to the hoary heights of Olympus Mons, this is The Stack. This week, we speak with Rabsef Bikram, teacher of the language of Mars. We talk about that language, Hoon, how he came to grok it, and grokking through to taking off like a rocket and launching the Hooniverse, which has become Urbit's one-stop shop for learning the language it runs itself on. Learn what it's like to learn it, then sign up for the next Hooniversity and turn it into an app for yourself. Let's listen. Huntard is not the preferred nomenclature anymore, right? So that's a very interesting question because that started out uh, and actually our, we had some Hoon School 101 shirts and they do say Huntard on the back in uh, some Hoon script that is written out in, in a big tar symbol. So it's a big asterisk that's written in smaller characters. Uh, but yeah, so the way that that actually started was we were working with, uh, a guy who shall not be named uh, for fear of doxing of this individual in the real world, but he wanted to learn Hoon, and we, uh, I, I think, I think Rizrak Habtab actually started working with him to try and help him. He had signed up for a, one of the original Hoon schools that was offered through Talon, and kind of this is like a household like, name. This is no, um, but he is an important enough person in the type of community that would cancel you for being associated with Urban. Uh, yeah. And still is, let's say that he's not active on Urban anymore. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> but um, so he's, he was working with Rizrak to kind of like work through the lessons because he was having trouble, you know, week one and, and just getting the system set up and trying to figure out what was going on and what they were asking him to do. And Riz right. worked with him for a while I kind of started showing up to those because I had had trouble in that first Hoon school as well. But I, rather than conceding defeat, I, I and I think I even told my wife at the time, like, I am, there is no way in hell that I'm not going to finish this six week course. Like I will find a way to do this thing. And I sat in the chat room that they had for it and bothered Palfin all the time and Radford Diglett and all of those guys from Talon that were sitting in there kind of monitoring. And I forced my way through that course to the point where I was able to basically understand what I was doing. And as I say, Riz was working with him and I started showing up and hanging out with him. And I said, hey, you know, after church on Sunday, I'd be happy to like go through the lessons as they came out so we can do a six week course of our own and I can walk you through it. We'll take an hour or so and we'll just talk through the program. And he made a chat room. This was pre-chat integration to groups. So he made just a chat room called Hoontards. And that's where we started doing it. And that's really the, I think of that as the genesis. And, and with all due deference to Rizrek's contribution prior to that, that was when we started doing this as like a group of people and other people started showing up and we started kind of repeating lessons. And that's where things became more, uh, of a tutelage instead of just a, an ad hoc meeting of people. And the person we were working with is very good at um, marketing and, and promoting things and so did so in the community really effectively. Uh, and that kind of brought more people in and that kind of brought us to the point of saying, hey, maybe we should have like a more organized curriculum. Did, you, did either of you do the original Hoon School that was offered by Talon? Um, uh, was what, like, April, April, May, 2020. Well, they had, they had. Yes, that's we, right. We did because. Okay. Yeah, we, it was the original because we're, it, it was like we're dropouts, but <laughs> yeah, we're dropouts. But it was, it was still being done by a, a Talon employee at the time. Who was that? Was that Rap Rapfer? I think. Yeah. 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 We, we were doing it. We I think we did one of the last ones that that he did. Yeah. The other thing about that is that those guys have a lot to do just, I mean, look, look at the pr production that they've, they've right. output in the last year and a half. Right. And I think, you know, they, they did a great job. So there's a couple of problems with the way that Hoon School was being taught originally. I think, first of all, everyone at that company is in the top 0.01% of the IQ spectrum. And also has the kind of mind that is required to think about things in pure abstraction and be able to understand. 
And I think the course was taught from that perspective. And people like me who need a little more concreteness, who need a little more um, explanation and, and verbalization of what's going on rather than pure description through abstraction and reference to other programming languages or just other computer science technology that you might be aware of had trouble with it. And so that was one of the first problems that we sought to address um, in developing a new curriculum. So the the curriculum that we we developed for Hooniversity or Hooniverse, I'm still not sure which one of those things we're actually calling it, but uh, the curriculum that we developed for that was, I think, slower and more evenly paced. Whereas, I don't know if you remember the first lesson in the original Hoon School was to just like write a generator that prints your Pat P as a number, I think, something like that. Or maybe prints your Pat P from a number, whatever it was. And then the next lesson was like, okay, now make a deck of cards. You know, (laughs) like like there was was quite a jump between lesson one and two. And it wasn't that dramatic, um, but it was dramatic still, at least for, for, like I say, people like me. And I think they lost a lot of people as a result of that. And that's that's not to suggest that the teaching methodology was poor. It's just that it was designed for a type of person that's really high performing in that area. And so it was not inclusive in that way. You know, and, and that's for better or worse. I think there's still some feeling at Talon that Hoon is still subject to some change. Like knock is solidified, right? This, in fact, we had this discussion just the other day. Knock, they feel, is really solidified and final. Hoon is mostly solidified, but knock is version zero. Knock is Kelvin version zero. I don't know if that's actually true, but it, but in their minds, like the Talon employees, they're like, that's not changing. So, so right. I, I think it is, but regardless, yeah. they feel like at a stable point. And then Hoon is mostly stable, subject to potential change. Epiphenomena after that, like the way Gaul is handled, even in our lifetime on Urbit, Gaul has changed from Gaul from static Gaul to current Gaul or whatever direction it went. I don't, I don't really understand the difference between those two things. But and I was kind of not around for the original version of Gaul, but or at least not aware of it when I was on and it was around. Uh, but so further up in the stack, there you go, there's a plug, right? Uh, further up in the Thank stack uh, <laughs> of the Urbit tech uh, world, they feel that there's less stability and less certainty. And I think to some extent, and I, you know, I'm speaking for people who aren't here, so that's kind of not fair, but I think to some extent they're like, insofar as that's the case, we really want people to have a deep understanding at the bottom layer rather than starting to teach people how to do things in Hoon or in Urbit in the way that it's designed today, because we don't know it'll be designed that way in six months. And breaking changes can be frustrating for developers and yada, yada, yada. So can we do a quick vocabulary for people who are uh, coming to this totally, totally new? What yeah, is, so what is not Hoon? What is, what is Gaul? Yeah, this is, this we is. We don't have to do Urbit, but. So not knock is the lowest level. That's the low level language, right? Like the machine language for that everything it's is like, built on. It's like all op codes. It's like uh, um, what do you call it? Machine. Uh, yeah, machine language. It's it's the the basic low level zeros language from which everything else is compiled. Well, and it's not even zeros and ones. It's it's all primary in, or well, all integers, right? And that's one of the interesting things about Urbit is that the entirety of Urbit is a binary tree of numbers, right? And all of the operations and all of the data are stored in this binary tree of numbers. And NOC really is those numbers in cells, which represent the portions of the binary tree that you're looking at. And so given that data and programs aren't really differentiated in Urbit, NOC is both data and opcodes that produce results that change the state, which is the binary tree. So it feeds back to itself and rewrites that binary tree as NOC is being executed. So that's that's that bottom layer though. It's it's working only with the numbers 
no typing system. It's just the numbers and the configuration of the numbers in the cells as they sit is what determines what happens at a given node in that binary tree. And then on top of that, you've got Hoon. So what's the relationship there? So Hoon is like a, and so this is something interesting about the Talon perspective on this too. They feel that knock, learning knock really informs Hoon. Uh, I did not have that particular experience. I found knock to be semi-inscrutable. And even when I got it, I was like, okay, but I don't, I don't know how this informs any of the other stuff that we're doing. I think that's more something that a serious computer scientist would be able to understand and interpret better. Uh, but Hoon is like a abstracted layer of knock that is a symbolic representation of knock behaviors in a more human legible context. So in knock, or I'm sorry, in Hoon, you're able to give give what they call faces, which are something like variable names to various different things that you're doing, which makes it so that you're starting to use human legible words and makes things more interpretable. Uh, there's a typing system um, that allows you to kind of see things in various types, again, to, to aid in human interpretation of what's going on. Uh, and then there are the runes, and I think those might be the things that are most challenging to people. The rune system in Hoon is like the operational, the, the methods you might call them if you're familiar with like a JavaScript context. And those are the, that's how you do things in Hoon. You use these runes, which are ASCII glyphs, diglyphs of two of the primary ASCII characters that we have on like a US standard keyboard. They're in families. So the, the first glyph in a diglyph pairing in Hoon often indicates the type of operation that it's gonna do. So for instance, you can generate cells using the Cole rune family, Cole hep, which is uh, the, sim or the full colon and the hyphen uh, or N dash, I think it is. Anyway, the hyphen, uh, that creates a, a cell of two characters and then you go on from there, Cole lust does three and Cole sig does a null terminated cell and so on. But it's, I mean, it, and these have, I think um, Josh and I come more from natural language, like human languages, right? And when you're learning, say, Japanese, uh, and you know, actually knowing Chinese doesn't help you at all. It it helps, um, you know, with reading. So it's kind of a weird example, but you're going to really find no help from. Uh, your background in that language, whereas you, as a native English speaker, uh, if you are to learn Dutch or something, you know, you, you'll be able to get somewhere. There are false friends and everything. But I think that the, the issue, um, and I'd love to kind of hear more of your background, but as more of a hobbyist and someone who actually far long after formal education ever picked up anything into um, computers and programming and everything, you know, so, so, you know, got some capability in C and Python and, you know, familiarity with HTML and JavaScript and things. But to me, like there were, none of that was a reasonable, reasonably approximate to Hoon. And it was also because I wasn't even at the point where I was super, super familiar with any of those. Like I was trying to translate, you know, with your deck of cards example, that's sort of an intermediate exercise in Python. So I could not now because I'm a little bit rusty, but, you know, at one point would be able to do that pretty easily. But so, so I was just like racking my brain, almost trying to translate to what would I do in one of these almost like spoon fed type languages, object oriented languages or whatever into it. And it just, it, it that, that didn't work for me. And so, you know, these, you know, whether it's the the runes and glyphs and everything, or the fact that it's subject oriented or something, I think that's, that's a difficulty. And may, maybe it's easier if you don't know any of, uh, don't have any kind of a background, because then you're just getting exposed to these things for the first time. Um, and I don't know if you guys have had students in that boat, but so I think I was actually kind of a student in that boat. I mean, I've been around computers my whole life. The only programming language that I would say I'm proficient in is Visual Basic, uh, which I think is a 
far cry from any modern language. I use it primarily to automate tasks in the office Excel suite. Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not, you know, it's nothing fancy. But I, when when I first started taking the Hoon lessons, and then in fact talking to the Talon developers about like how to improve my skill and so on, Robinus Rickford said, you know, I think it's actually better if you start from not having any programming experience and come straight into Hoon because because of the disparity between those common concepts that you might be aware of from other programming languages and the difficulty in trying to create a translative bridge between those two things, between those two experiences, programming in Java and or in JavaScript, and then trying to translate that into what's going on in Hoon. And, you know, I, at the time, I really had a hard time believing that because I was like, yeah, but I'm still not getting it. So, <laughs> so, so if it's easier for people who don't know anything, uh, then it must be extraordinarily difficult for people who do. And then you also see some people successfully understanding what's going on. And you say, well, then those people happen to be computer scientists. So it seems to me that it's unlikely that it's actually so easy for somebody with, with no computer science experience to, to jump into. But, but I do think that it, it helped to have something like a clean slate coming into Hoon in that I didn't have any real expectations. Like I use Visual Basic and I know how to use it and I can make things happen in it, but I don't, I wouldn't say that I have a strong conceptual framework for how it works. I know how it works, but I don't have like theoretical knowledge about how it works and why it works the way that it works. It just, it just works for me. And that's sort of been my learning approach to Hoon too, which has led to better conceptual understanding of Hoon. I guess what I'm trying to say is coming in fresh makes it so that you don't have preconceived notions about how a language should work. And it's my understanding at least that some of the preconceived notions that you might bring from other prominent languages make the methods of Hoon more difficult to map onto what you already understand. Well, yeah, I mean, that's like I, when I try to speak Cantonese, like I've just used the man, like Cantonese has like nine tones or something stupid like that. And um, the uh, Mandarin has four basically. And so, but, you know, with what, what little Cantonese I know, I just use the Mandarin tones. And so I sound like <laughs> probably like super obnoxious, you know, but it's like I, have, I, I, I have no choice. Cause like my brain is like older now. Like, you know, that's, that's just where like whatever occupies that like tonal language part of my brain is, is not going to be able to adapt that, you know, other other set of things so um what what is the coolest thing that you've seen people do with hoon so far so one of the one of the coolest things about teaching hoon school was seeing people's final projects um and the variety of things that people turned into me and towards i think the end of our like second session of running this we had people turning in stuff that would take me literally an hour or two to actually understand what they were doing because uh, it was so complicated and really elegant how they had put things together. And the the other interesting thing about Hoon being a terse language is that there are all often a, a terse and kind of inscrutable language is that there are often multiple ways you could approach a problem. So some of the coolest things I've done besides like functional things are just seeing people do the same produce the same program using completely different variants of the code. Like the, the, there's a, a, a wide divergence between two people trying to produce the same result. And that's, that's very interesting. And, and I don't know, I, I appreciate that. I find that enjoyable, but in terms of things that I've seen built re recently that are amazing, Palfun rolled out a torrent tracker in the client of Urbit that runs off one Gall app. And I think that's it. Like, I don't think there's anything else but this Gall app. And it's a full torrent tracker that you can connect to on Paldev. And it has like help text and it tells you the torrents that are available on it. You can add your own, you can seed one from it. It puts it on your server where your orbit is. 
that's fascinating to me. It's a it's an amazing piece of technology, and he did a great job on that. I know that I don't know if I should. Well, I guess Sir Pad P doesn't really matter that much. Little Wolfer is producing. Well, he, he produced that. What do they call it? The repetition where you. I don't remember what SRRS. I think is what the acronym for it, but it's where you repeat things based on how often yep. you remember correctly. What's it called? Yeah. Oh, Stage repetition. Is called SF. Sorry, SRS. I don't know what his stands for, but SRS stands for Space Repetition System. So that's what that's, that's what he built. Space. That's a yeah. Thank you. But so he built that. But he's also building something that it's not for RuneScape. What Ragnarok Online? He has like a character downloader that he's building right now. That's pretty cool. So it takes your Ragnarok Online character and it reads all of like the JSON object of your character stats and it'll put it into a program that's then available to you there to do whatever. I don't really know what you would do with it from there, but I think that's amazing to be able to parse that much JSON. I don't know if you've ever tried JSON parsing in Hoon, but it's kind of a pain in the ass. So to see somebody do it at that level is, is pretty impressive. Not lately. No. Yeah. I'm trying to think. <laughs> there are some other good ones out there. Um, did you see that? So for the, the there was a competition probably almost a year ago now like a, a hackathon, I think is how they, they phrased it. But somebody built yeah. something that allowed you to jointly paint with other people on Urbit. Oh, into yeah, some, yeah, yeah. It's astounding. I don't remember who did that. Maybe maybe it was Hashtag DivTux, but I don't remember. That was astounding that somebody could do that. There's a lot yeah, of great that, things. Have there been breaking changes? Has that been, there have uh, been brought along? Breaking, or, yeah. I don't think that it was ever rolled out as like a application yeah. that was used very much. So I don't know if it's even been maintained because there have been yeah. some breaking changes, especially around the, the end of last year and into this year with the right. network breach and all that stuff. Um, there's somebody who's working on a web RTC thing to allow voice yeah, chat and that. videos. Yeah, that's going to be a, a game changer for Urbit, I think. And again, all of this stuff is done in Hoon, and it's all done relative with relatively limited overhead. Most of this, yeah. in fact, all of these things, they they don't require additional elements to the stack, and that's the that's the point of Urbit, right? Like the point is to consolidate the the amount of tools that you need in order to achieve the goals that you're looking for. Well, this, yeah, this is an interesting thing because. Um... I, I don't engage these people anymore because it's always bad faith, but there is an element of criticism of Urbit that comes down to, well, Hoon is uh, totally inscrutable lang language. It's needlessly dense, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I think that the work that you guys have, have done shows that people with the proper amount of motivation and everything can certainly learn it. It's not necessarily that much more difficult than intrinsically more difficult than other languages but you know the, the question is is yeah like um would it be just the foundational part of the stack and then you put more on top of it whether through airlock or whatever or can it be just kind of it in itself and if it's always something that things are built on and you need to have kind of just a vanguard of developers who happen to know it, but you can't do anything without them. And that's a limiting factor. But actually what you're describing is that actually it's sufficient and kind of complete in itself to develop everything that needs to be developed. And in any case, people can learn it. It's not going to be some massive obstacle once it's important mm -hmm. for people to do so. Yeah. And so two things there in reverse order. In terms of the setting things on top of Urbit and using Airlock, that's a totally viable method, and that's actually what we're working on now is a course that kind of describes how to do that. And that's actually met some resistance and concern amongst the more skilled Hoon developers because their expectation is, to your point, in the, in the ideally near future, there will be a way to produce most of the results that we're looking for without setting some JavaScripting on top of Urbit that's then just speaking through uh, some API to your Urbit. And they really want to, they really want to get 
to that point because they their goal is to make it so that you don't just have to have a a bunch of de uh, classical developers sitting on top of your Hoon stack to or your Urbit stack to make make things work. So that's going to be cool when we get there. But but we are working on something that will work with Airlock, and Airlock does work. And just to describe it, Airlock is a way of everything in Urbit has to be ship related and and space related now because we moved away from the the more like princely titles of of ships and things. But Airlock is just a an API integration with Urbit and the outside world uh, that allows classical programming to communicate with your Urbit in a way that is conducive to Urbit's required event processing. So that, that's how that works. But prior to that, the people who say that Hoon is needlessly dense and inscrutable I, so I have I have trouble with that description because it is it is definitely arcane. It's confusing in the way that it doesn't use human legible action commands. You know, like um, methods in JavaScript usually have have descriptions that are that mean something to you, or like uh, ls in the command line in, right. in Linux, right? right? That's list. Right. We, we get that, but I don't think that it's dense like that's that's a criticism that i've always had trouble with because in my opinion hoon is actually like light but terse it's mm -hmm. the least required amount of communication to affect the point that is that's needed and that's if you if you if you approach it from the perspective of i can do this with very little work and you you work on reducing your code and reducing your code it, it works and it, it makes more sense as you start to dive down into it in that way. It's like, I think Hemingway said that he had a newspaper editor when he was writing for the newspaper that would, every time he brought, and this may be apocryphal, I don't really care. Every time he would bring in a story, he would say, great, now make it half as long. And mm -hmm. that's like how, or that's how Hoon works. That's, yeah. That's what you're going for in Hoon. The most elegant Hoons that you can see are those that are, you know, here's 50 lines of code that does a million different things. And that's kind of how Palfun's torrent tracker works. Go ahead. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I think, you know, it's an interesting philosophical point. It's beyond even just Urbit. But, you know, we have this, you, you know, this it's become an absurd phrase, but like learn to code, right? And actually learning programming is about learning to write less code. And that's not at all understood or not really appreciated. And even like people who know because like certain constraints like memory just don't exist anymore the way that they used to. And so mm -hmm. that kind of costs some discipline. But yeah, I mean, the what's the introductory language now for almost everybody? It's um, Python or JavaScript, right? Which are mm -hmm. almost, almost pseudocode, like you said. I mean, um, somebody who doesn't know programming would at least understand like 15%. You know, it'd be like us reading like Afrikaans or something, right? I mean, like, you know, you kind of get a little bit of a gist and then if you if you know one of them then you know probably you could read out what another one is trying to do but you know people will show some like really it actually does look like a short python program because it'll be like five lines of code but there's two thousand lines of c behind it right <laughs> that mm -hmm. have to be written in order to do it and like I, I i've always liked c quite a bit more because it's that much that much closer to um, to the metal, I guess you'd say. You know, you 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 have some of those constraints and everything. And it sounds like Hoon, in its best form, can really kind of bring that to its um, completion. Yeah, and the criticism there is, yeah, but it runs in C on a Linux server. You know what I mean? Sure. But, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Is there, I mean, is is there a uh, point where it can be free from that stack? I mean, it is an operating system, right? Or am I just understanding that incorrectly? No, I think you're right. I mean, there's there's long been discussion of like knock native 
chips asics like, yeah. like actual metal that could do the knock yeah uh, I, you, I don't know i mean with with asics i mean you need a, i mean i i know this a little bit the um yeah the scale is just just too too right. big for now right i mean you you need uh at least like the the number is going down but roughly like a million units to make it sense to design one and I, I don't I I don't know enough about like FPGAs and things like if you could actually do more of like a programmable chip if that would make sense but you know it, at at some point in five years say either the project goes nowhere or in five years this would be a reasonable expectation I think so yeah, yeah. the other thing that is a trade off there though is we have to like right now we're taking great advantage of jets jets are Operations that can be performed in NOC, that can be performed faster in classical programming languages today, that Urbit takes advantage of after a series of very careful proving, because Urbit is a deterministic operating system. So it must be that the result of the JET is always the same as the result of the NOC code that would have been run. Mm. Uh, but so like that that speeds up decrement. I don't know if you know. You know, there's there's only like the increment function in Urbit, right? So decrement, you start right. from zero and you count up to one less than the number <laughs> that you were at, and you know that takes a, that takes a while if it's a large number. But there are decrement functions in other languages that are relatively, if not perfectly, deterministic, right? Like decrementing in C would produce one less than the number always. And so right now, Urbit takes advantage of those things through these things called jets. I don't know how that would, you know, I don't know enough about computer science to even speculate as to how that would work right. if you were running on metal using knock, but but it is something that would have to be considered also. But I I, I sincerely hope for an Urbit native application at some point in the future. Can we talk about upcoming homeschool? You don't yeah. have I, I don't I won't make a commit to a commit to a timeline, but can you ballpark it or do you want to be coy? No, I, I, I'll tell you straight out. I want to have something ready to roll by the mid to end of March of this year. Uh, and the this, product is a new we, this is a new curriculum. It is. And it's actually focused. So it's an interesting thing. The way that I learned Hoon and the way that I started teaching Hoon was from the ground up. Like, here are runes. Here are the rune families. Here is what you could do with one of those. Let's add on to that. Let's build a little bit. But you only get so far with that, right? Like you only can end up writing a generator that that does something. And that generator could be fairly, okay, so just to back up, a generator is like a function in Urbit. So you can write a generator that, or a function that takes some input and deterministically runs a program, produces some output, and then evaporates back into the ether. Like it goes to rest again. It's not continuously running. It doesn't maintain its own state, those sorts of things. And the way we were teaching Hoon was really conducive to writing generators and learning the Hoon runes uh, in their entirety, or at least a, a great deal of them. Um, but that didn't get people to the point of being able to produce real world applications, or at least anything that was immediately viable for use across the spectrum of people. Because as I say, a generator is kind of local and it's just a function it's just a function that, that does what it does and then goes away. The new thing that we're approaching in Hoon School is we're hoping to produce both a web and a CLI application um, that do the same thing. Uh, I, won't, I won't reveal what it does yet, but we're working on something that your orbit can host on like the earth web, as we call it. So on the regular internet that you could access from your phone, you could have your buddies access, that sort of thing. That will also network with other people's orbits. So you can share this application if you both have it installed, subscribe to each other's things that this program does, um, and be able to access those independently, and even potentially share it out to people who don't have orbit, which would be kind of neat. Um, I think that would be a good introduction for this to, to normies. And then also a, a client level application of the same thing so that you'll have an interface. You know, Right now, if you're in the Urbit client uh, and you hit Control X from the dojo, you're going to be sent to the chat client, right? Like, and you can mm -hmm. you can chat from there. You can use the glyphs to change which chat room you're in, that sort of thing. 
we're working on something like that. So you can control X and you'll be able to go to this Hooniverse pro product that you'll also be able to build. So our goal is to have that bifurcating path where you can take either one of the, those courses will be taught independently too. So you can take either one of those courses, you'll produce an application that's either web-based or client-based. Then you'll also be able to take the other course and upgrade the material that you previously produced to do the opposite. So you can have the client and you can go, okay, now I want to add a web interface to it. You can have the web interface and say, okay, now I want to add a client to it. And so we're, this is more top down. We're not taking the time to explain what every rune does, but instead we're explaining like this code section does this for us. You can see how it's kind of doing it here. Here are the concepts you need to know. If you want to know more about the individual runes that are in use, you can look them up or you can take the original course, which we will still offer. But our goal is to have that top-down approach where you build something of utility that you can then kind of show your friends and, and bring more interest in. So when you say you're still going to have the original course, you mean the, the course where you sort of are learning from, from the basics, the bottom runes up or whatever you want to say? That's well, right. That'll, that'll be there as well. That's right. And honestly, I'm not sure which one of those is the more advanced course. <laughs> I, right. I, I think it's I think it's true that the new one is more advanced, especially since I'm more comfortable with it now. But I've been hooning for like almost, let's say, a year and a half now, you know, so that's that's a good amount of time to be exposed to a language. But yeah, I think that there are some things that are more difficult about learning from the ground up and some things that are more enjoyable about learning from the top down. And so we're going to try and capitalize on that. Since this is going out to people who have no previous exposure, what is the delivery method? How do you, how do you, how did you go? For, you, so you, you started off, it, it was just YouTube videos. I think that maybe Raptor was doing, plus there was some you chat. You your homework, I think. Yeah, there was a you chat turn and turning the homework yeah. on something like a Google. Uh, form. I don't, I don't remember. Form, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. So what's the delivery method yeah, so that's how they were handling the courses when they were teaching it. And just to give the spectrum of things that we've done, I started in just a chat room, literally typing all of this stuff out because I was like, I don't, I don't need to be on a microphone for like one dude. You know what I mean? We can, we can talk mm -hmm. this way. We moved up from there and recorded our own YouTube videos, which are going to be revamped as well. And then we moved into live streaming on Twitch, the lessons. So we would stream the lesson on Twitch. I'd be live on audio talking through what I was doing. There would be people in both Urbit chat and Twitch chat, especially at the time, Twitch chat was far more responsive than Urbit chat. That's since been drastically improved. But um, so people would be in both asking questions. We also had a chat room where people could post questions at any time, which was true of the original Hoon School as well. And uh, we were also taking submissions through through a Google form of like a pastebin link or what have you. Uh, my goal for teaching this next round is to have, like I'd, I'd really like to, and this will probably be a little later this year, I'd like to have an Urbit native application that will allow you to submit homework um, and allow me to comment on your homework and have you be able to only see your own homework and those sorts of things so that we're centralizing the experience again back down into Urbit. Like with the WebRTC thing, I think courses should be taught through WebRTC when we get there. All of this material should be available on Urbit for experience through Urbit so that you don't have to hop across all these various platforms. Maybe still YouTube videos because nobody wants to pay for, you know, storage and bandwidth to be able to share recorded videos. But, mm -hmm. but for the live lessons, I'd like to have those happen on Urbit. But yeah, obviously, okay. RTC, RTC will do that, right? So in, is this uh, still, pre I think, um, in previous rounds, and this would be, again, like a year ago, uh, or not quite, but uh, people were able to take this class and get a planet. Mm -hmm. is, is, it, is there still sort of an evangelism aspect to this? Yeah, we need to figure that out. Um, we tried the short thing, and that, to be perfectly honest, was a logistics nightmare for me. Like getting shirts and I still have some in my trunk. You have like hundred shirts in your. <laughs> right, right, and I'm. I feel like an ass for not getting them in the mail, but also, 
I didn't realize that it was going to cost me like 300 bucks to mail this shit around the world to, right. <laughs> to all the different people who took the course. So, like that was kind of a pain. We need to have some form of evangelism. At, at this point, honestly, the shirts might be cheaper than issuing a person a planet, though, uh, right. with Ethereum sure. costs. Hopefully the, the planetoid thing or whatever we're going to do, moving to BSV, whatever it may be, uh, the, the some solution to the issue of Ethereum gas fees right now will will solve for that. Um, though it's yet to be seen what that will look like. But there does need to be some evangelism element to it as well to draw people in, in my opinion. And our aforementioned and now absent uh, sponsor who kind of kicked this thing off was really of the opinion that there needed to be evangelism and reward, but also potentially, well, yeah, was of that opinion. And I've, I've just not yet come up with a solution for that problem that isn't like, terribly taxing on my side of the equation, but that is still rewarding to those users who complete the course. Because I think that it is, it's a feat to do, you know, it, it takes determination. You're not getting paid for it. Orbit may not be something that exists for forever. So you might be, you know, wasting your time. Uh, I hope that you're not, but but you might be. And to spend the amount of time necessary to, necessary to do this work and to learn what's going on here is worth something and you should be rewarded for it, in my opinion. The problem, I think, as you alluded to, is that a planet now will cost at least $50, I think, for the person, you know, for the person giving it away, trying to give it away for free. It's going right. to cost you $50 mm-hmm. to give away something for free now. And these and $20 I mean, market, to accept. Planet, right, right. Well, there you go. Yeah. So you're talking $70 and then the market has priced them somewhere between $20 and $30. So, you know, you're giving away like 80 bucks just to to give somebody a plan is to do the course. Right. Yeah. I think that problem is yeah. solvable. And I have, you know, just to go back to why I learned Hoon quickly, I have faith in this project. Like I have real faith in this project. I believe in Orbit. I think that it makes better communities on the internet. I think that it is a sound way of interacting with people and of using a computer. And I, I've had this belief since I got in. I don't know why exactly. I can't really put my finger on what about Urbit is so special and, and true to me with like a capital T, but I have faith in it. And I have faith that the solution to the problem of gas fees will not come from Ethereum dipping back down and, and like DeFi going away. I believe that the Talon engineers will find a solution to this problem that will be viable. And I, I await that day patiently. You know what I mean? Like, I think that there's something there. I will say um, I dig around in GitHub and I have noticed, I don't know if it's okay to say this, but it has been published on GitHub. So there's, um, I think Philip Monk did a quick, something quick in Cairo, which is is a new mm-hmm um roll up so potentially there's the roll up possibility there mm-hmm. uh, i don't know anyway it's out there on it's it's out there on github you can go check it check it out if you know cairo i have no this it's it's entirely new and i don't i don't know anything about it really but um yeah what why is why is uh urban so great i i think um you, you get the the personal server what is it? i mean but, but it's it's solving the problem that um, we have with these with with servers that you connect to via clients and then sort of like Facebook or Twitter owning the entire, um, you know, monopolizing the entire entire process or both sides of both sides of the equation there. And Irvit solves that for you. Uh, and another thing that's so fantastic about it is, at least at this point, there's no, there's not yet the eternal September of Urbit. So <laughs> the, the people who are here, I mean, we're, we're actually maybe like shooting ourselves in the foot by, by evangelizing. But at the moment, mm-hmm. you know, we seem to be getting really great people onto the network. So hopefully the, you know, the average quality of the new people we find is at least as good as the average quality of the network. And when, when everybody is, you know, of of that quality or better than every chat room that you go into is sort of like a breath of fresh air where you're not having to hear about, I don't know, whatever Lady Gaga is up to 
She did kill the national anthem, though. She was great, she, great I, performance. I no oh, it was really good. All right, well, <laughs> at the like inauguration, yeah, yeah, I mean, that happened. The um, but the uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think I, I actually like I've had to come to peace with um, not participating in some groups that I know are very high quality, um, because you know, I would just like spend way too much time on it. Right. You know I mean? Like, um, and the, the good thing is, is, you know, you run into the same people and these different groups, you're not missing off, um, or missing out on, on too much, but there, there's, there is just like, you know, a ton of great content there. So. What, one thing that, so beyond ownership of data and hopefully to the point of the eternal September, and and one additional thing that I actually think is great about Urbit is the separation of groups and the self-ownership and then something like self-policing of groups. Um, there are a lot of different, even even today, even in its infancy, there are a lot of different communities on Urbit that have a lot of different social rules. It, it, it's been my experience, at least. There are rooms where... Let's just say there are rooms across the political spectrum. There are rooms across across the social spectrum of what's okay to say, what isn't okay to say, how we should communicate, and those sorts of things. And that's actually one of the things that I think is the most special about Arbit, because it's my personal belief that you can't really change people's opinions about things. I don't think that communication works at that level. I think you can try. I think that it's a good thing to try to communicate with people you disagree with um, and to try to do so honestly and forthrightly, but also respectfully. But I don't think that that should be the center of discussion constantly. And centralized platforms have made that the like the, the primary modality of discussion. So like everything on Twitter is a fight between people who disagree. And then K-pop stands who post images of, of feminine looking men. But you know, that that's the entirety of discussion. In Urbit, and I actually just onboarded a friend of mine. We had been, this was great. So the signal outage of 2020 or 2021, the great signal outage of two days on 2021, got two of my friends to join Urbit. And now we're talking almost exclusively on Urbit. And that's a really great thing. I really enjoy it. But I've added them to a couple of rooms. And, you know, these are like, these are locker talk guys. Uh, and so I've added them to some rooms where it's like, yeah, go ahead and say whatever you want in there. And then other rooms, I'm like, be a little more gentle here because this community is like this, you know, and they've both responded to me saying, it's so nice to, I'm, I'm paraphrasing and they don't actually speak like this, but it's so nice to be able to know that in this space, I can talk, you know, this way and that in this space I can't, but that never the twain shall meet, that I don't have to worry about people from group A coming over to group B and going, you're such a puss, or people from group B coming to group A and going, whoa, you guys are saying like cancelable things in here, you know? So it's it's nice to have that that spacing of the experience in a way that I, I think is healthy for discussion. So that's one of the things that I, I most value about Urbit today. We didn't really uh, we didn't really get the the date um, you not a specific date but when when are we looking for Hoon School the next Hoon I will school, rough yeah I'll start posting about it early March and we'll have a date by mid March where we're gonna launch it again and I my I don't know if I want to give away my Twitter pet p my Twitter pet p or at is uh, safe pen. I'll post it on there. There's a Hooniversity Twitter too that you can find. Uh, we'll post it there. I'm sure Urbit will will uh, retweet it or whatever. So you'll be able to see it on Twitter even if you're not on Urbit yet. But look for that starting early March. We'll have a date around then. And how should how should someone um, go about getting on the network to do the course if they don't have a planet? Yeah, in my opinion, right now, the right answer is to boot a comet. And booting a comet is described on orbit.org. Uh, it's not something that's detrimental. Uh, you know, a lot of people are like, what if I have to change my identity thereafter? I think at the scale of Urbit communities right now, it's going to be pretty easy to translate that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so you're now you're now a different one of 600 people. All right, cool. <laughs> that's fine. Um, but so, yeah, boot a comet. There's a... There's a room on Hidev Danet, that's H-I-D-D-E-V hyphen D-A-N-N-U-T. 
that is called, I'm trying to look up the name of it, new hyphen Hooniverse. That's an open group that you can join. Again, that's Hidev Danut Fast new hyphen Hooniverse. Going in and I'm code switching between English and Hoon, but um, you can join that group. There will be postings in there. That's where we're going to start the course up again. I haven't been in there in a few weeks. I've just kind of been taking a break while I'm trying to learn and, and produce this new content, but uh, my triumphant return uh, is forthcoming. And what kind of people do we want? I want people who are willing to allow themselves to become true believers. Like, I, I don't care if you believe in Urbit yet, but I, I don't want Y Combinator people to come in and bitch about Urbit. Like, <laughs> if you're going to do that, then you get lost. Has that happened? Has that happened yet? <laughs> no, not really. I had an interesting experience in DMs recently. I'm probably giving away too much here, but some dude. And, and let, let's just generalize it. I've had a few people email, you know, message me on Arbit or email me or whatever, and go, "Why is this so stupid and lame?" And it's like, "All right, well, you know, you don't have to do it. That's <laughs> fine." Um, or or the other way is, um, you're teaching this poorly. Could you please do a better job? And it's like, well, you, you know, you're welcome to do it on your own too. Uh, but but no, most people are extremely receptive, um, happy to be there, and interested to learn what they can. In fact, the bigger problem that I have is that people come in with a greater deal of background experience in computer science and say, oh, is this like that? And I have to say, you know, I don't, I don't really know, champ. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You'll have to ask someone smarter than me. But we usually get past that and, and make good progress nonetheless. So from full beginning, I guess the thing that I want most is people who are extremely intelligent and, and skilled in computer science, you can probably do this on your own, though I am happy to have you. But if you've never done a programming language before at all, and you want to learn about Orbit and learn what you can do on it and find something that you can be nominally successful in, uh, in, you know, we'll probably have a six week course, boot a comment and show up. We'll get you there. Thank you for listening. Please visit us at www.thestack.link or find us on Twitter at thestack.link, all one word. And please remember to like and subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes. I'm Josh, and with Andy, we are The Stack.